This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We have a little more clarity on the vaccine rollout for people over 80, and I'm afraid the message is hurry up and wait. This morning, General Rick Hillier confirmed that the online portal and the call center for booking vaccination appointments will not be up and running until March the 15th. And Ontario residents in that age bracket won't start getting their shots until the third week in March. Next door in Quebec, people over 85 will start being vaccinated next week and they can already book. So here's why it will take longer in our province, according to the general. I, I know that I've, I've you know, watched in general other provinces roll out their vaccination program. Every province is slightly different and their priorities are slightly different at the front end. The numbers in Ontario uh, are actually staggering in, in the populations that you want to get to. For example, the number of long-term care homes and, and retirement homes. And so we have not gotten to the 80-plus-year-olds yet. Some of the other provinces have. Uh, it depends on how they're running out their program and what their vaccinations are, uh, what their pr- priorities are. Well, yesterday we had a number of doctors on the show telling us they had no information from the province, even though Hillier last week said that doctors should begin contacting their patients. Today, he, quote, clarified that he doesn't exactly mean that doctors will be able to administer the shots in their own clinics or pop-ups. And what we're asking those uh primary care professionals, including obviously the doctors, is to reach out to your patients, to reach out to the public health unit, to become part of a vaccination clinic with that public health unit, and many of them are already doing that, and then have your patients come to that clinic and to that public uh, vaccination clinic and be able to give them the vaccination yourself or one of your colleagues. Well, is that a reasonable role for the doctors? And while the general kept insisting that the handling requirements for the vaccines make it impractical to put them in doctors' offices, a few lucky seniors who live in seniors' buildings had the vaccine come to them already as part of a pilot project. And we're going to be talking more about that shortly. So, What do you think of those plans? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And joining me now, NDP, MPP, and health critic, Frangelina from Nickel Belt, Ashnur Rahim, Vice President of Community Care at Wood Green Community Services, which runs the Jack Layton Building, where the seniors have got their shots as part of that pilot project. And Dr. Anne Holland, a family physician with the Prince Edward Medical Clinic. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Let us begin with France. So what do you think of those arrangements? Well, I would say a little bit of clarity is welcome, but the news is not good. How could it be that even a portal, that's something that Ontario knows how to do. How come it won't be available for another three weeks when in Alberta it is available now and people over 75 uh, are able to book and get their shots? So, us, we won't even be able to get on the computer or get on a phone to book for another three weeks and another four weeks before people over 80 uh, become eligible. That's another month where they are prisoners in their own homes. That's really hard to listen to. Well, ex- exactly. And France, what do you make of his, quote, explanation or excuse that that there are just so many people here that he can't keep up with uh, the situation in both Alberta and Quebec. The the rationale is 
uh, I don't understand. I mean, you're talking about a portal. You're talking about a web service. If Ontario is not able to put a web service together, it's um, really leads me to believe that how much investment did the Ford government put into having a robust vaccination plan? Because it has nothing to do with the availability of a vaccine or anything. It has to do with our portal is not ready. Our phone lines are not ready. Ready? You know, like, think about it. This is 2021, and our phone system is not ready yet. I don't... I. I I don't get it. Uh, yeah, before I move on to the others, but he did keep saying, I mean, now they keep blaming each other. He did keep saying it's supply. Well, supply has nothing to do with you could book now. Like, why isn't the portal available now? Why aren't people answering the phone now? Even if they tell you uh, your appointment is on March 22nd at 2 o'clock, you should be able to do that now, but no, none of that is available to Ontario. It's available in Quebec, it's available in Alberta. Everybody else was able to put a phone line together and a and a web portal together, but Ontario <laughs> is not ready. We are never ready on time because we have a premier uh, that um, doesn't see it as a priority for investment. Okay, well, I'm, I'm personally at the moment. I'm, I'm looking at the general, and I'm thinking maybe we don't have a general who gets this. But uh, Doctor Holland, it, it was very weird when he clarified to me. It was weird uh, what he wants doctors to do. Uh, what did you make of that? Yeah, thank you so much for having me again today. I I learned of this actually from your producer, so um, I've just been reviewing what was said. I I think um, family doctors, as I said, are are ready and and willing to help. I think what's still unclear is is how we do that um, effectively. And and also, I would say uh, again, we we heard about this information. Through the media, um, it is frustrating to hear about it through the media rather than um, an, another more official or another uh, channel directly to us. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's still a lot of confusion. Well, uh, a couple of things. So, first of all, he said that he talked to some uh, medical bodies yesterday. You were on with with Samantha Hill, president of the Ontario Medical Association, who had heard nothing. And um, it, what he seemed to say was, you can't get vaccines. They won't be uh, allocating any vaccines to the doctors, but they want you to help out by calling the patients and maybe going to join a vaccination team at one of these uh, mass clinics. It, it, does that sound like a reasonable ask? I think that um, I think that there are elements of it that could be reasonable depending on the supports that are provided. I, I want to be clear, I, I don't think it's reasonable to ask family doctors who are busy providing acute and, and chronic care to add uh, this uh, without uh, additional support um, to our clinics to, to take this on really and, and really out, it sort of sounds a little bit like outreach and, and Family doctors are are happy to do some outreach. We do need support. It's it's not something that we can um, do right now without support from the government. And I think that's where it's really key. I I hear him a little bit about transportation with the vaccinations, but we have seen the the vaccines being transported. Um, and I think. Yesterday, uh, we had a conversation with Dr. Hill and Dr. Keystone, and family doctors are would be willing to plan vaccination clinics. We could sign patients up in our offices and have, um, if we had the support there, we could get the vaccinations and we could do successful vaccination clinics there. I mean, uh, just to jump in, I mean, yeah. the other jurisdictions have moved those vaccines. And I'm about to to get to Ashnur about the pilot project. Other jurisdictions have done it. 
Pfizer came out and said, oh, by the way, actually, you don't have to put our vaccines in those special fridges. They'll be fine. So uh, I don't really understand why the general is still saying that it's too hard to, to handle those vaccines. I, I agree with you. I think um, transportation, they've been studying it, and I think it's becoming clear that we actually can transport. I, I do think the general mentioned, uh, I believe he mentioned uh, concern about wastage. I think wastage could be something that um, could be a potential if we don't have a good solid plan and if family doctors can't plan in advance how many doses and, and that sort of thing. I do worry, I wanted to mention, I do worry about those uh, seniors who are homebound. So those who I getting to a mass vaccination clinic, yes. I, I worry about that. Exactly. I'm, I'd like to bring in Ashnur Rahim, uh, who is uh, with Wood Green Community Centre and they run the Jack Layton building and your residence. Uh, I think they won the lottery. They're part of a pilot project where the vaccine came to them. Tell us about yes. it. Thank you so much, Libby. We're delighted that yesterday our residents at um, 1070 Queen at the Jack Layton building were able to access the vaccine. It was really through a partnership that was approved by Toronto Public Health with Michael Guerin Hospital and the East Toronto Family Practice Network. And that's where the hospital, the physicians and the community come together and really find solutions on the ground to tackle so many of the problems that you're talking about today. And we were able to provide over 200 residents and PSWs who are frontline working with these clients in congregate settings with the first vaccine. And I can tell you that the response was just overwhelming. We had um, residents who were crying because they were now hopeful that they could start to see their, their grandchildren and their families start to participate in the activities that they missed so much because they're on, they see a road forward, which is just wonderful. And and which vaccines did they get? How many of them? And and uh, I'm assuming the vaccines came to the building. The vaccines were brought to the building by Michael Garrett Hospital. Um, I'm not sure which ones they were, but I do know that they were uh, following the Toronto Public Health guidelines in terms of ensuring the safety of the vaccines. And my understanding is that it was um, the Moderna ones, and that we were very mindful. We had spent the last, I'd say, two and a half, three weeks organizing our community residents, ensuring that they understood the safety and were educated about the vaccine, ensuring they understood what they were consenting to, because often our clients have dementia and have caregivers that need to be part of the discussion. And so all of the pre-work was done so that when the Michael Guerin and the family physicians that through the East FPN came together, it could roll smoothly and efficiently. Hmm. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it sounds like uh, those, uh, those residents won the lottery uh, of France again. You know, one of the things uh, that is a general criticism about the way things happen here, and, and maybe not just in Ontario, is that we're great at pilot projects, and then they prove what they're supposed to prove, that you can do something, and they're uh, generally not scaled up. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, from the beginning, when when the government decided to uh, have the vaccine delivered in hospitals, our hospitals have never administered vaccine. It's always been the responsibility of the health unit. But no, <laughs> the health units were, were not connected, were not part of this, although they are the ones that have all the expertise. Now they have stepped up. And basically, the hospital have said, no, we're not going to do this. this. This is not our role. This is the role of public health. And let public health that has knowledge of of different communities, of barriers to access, of um, different uh, place within their target areas where they know that it is wheelchair accessible, that's easy for people to get there, to park, to have uh, transit, etc. They are the holder of all of this knowledge. But yet, they were never invited to the decision-making table. The, so uh, you're right. We pilot ideas. They work great. They give us hope. And then we do nothing with them. Uh, 
Eshnur, uh, do you know who originated the idea? I mean, we were actually, frankly, like sent around. We called Toronto Public Health. They said, call the health teams. The health team said, call the ministry. So where did this idea come from? Do you know? Was it from the hospital? So actually, the East Toronto um, Health Partners Ontario Health Team has been doing work like this for a, a, a number of years. So, for example... Over the last few years, we've worked together with our local pharmacists, our hospitals, to figure out how to ensure that homebound and vulnerable seniors have access to flu vaccines. And we took that knowledge and that learning and created um, this model, which I believe Michael Garrett Hospital and the East Toronto Health Partners um, took to, Michael, to Toronto Public Health. And it was a partnership with UHN as well. And I think the opportunity to... We understand our communities better than anyone. Community agencies like Wood Green that have large footprints in these communities understand where the opportunities and the risks are. And we can work with our local hospitals and our family practice um, physicians to really move this forward in a way that is way more efficient. And I think that's what this pilot really demonstrated. Okay, let's take a call from Jerry and Whitby. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how are you? Fine. Um, I've been listening to what's going on and I'm very much confused. I tried to get some information on the vaccine from St. Mike's Hospital and also at Michael Guerin, because I'm a truck driver. I go between Ontario and Quebec quite frequently. So I'm 77. So that puts me as an essential and as a senior. And I keep, it's like I'm on a labyrinth. Every time I turn on a path, I'm hitting a dead end. Okay. I'm going to tell you what uh, the general said today, this morning, just about an hour ago. And it seems that if if you're not in the first tranche of essential, I didn't see any uh, any accommodation for essential. But people uh, 75 years and old, between 75 and 80, uh, your date, according to this, is April 15th. Yeah, but as a, I I was told I was considered essential because as a truck driver, I'm going interprovincial. I'm going through interprovince. I'm coming into different factories, companies, and I'm associating with people of every which way. Well, and some I, places I've, astound me because I go in there, the people working at machines are wearing masks, but the guys riding the, the forklift and loading, running, loading, they're not wearing masks. They say, we don't have to. So where do I stand? You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a little confused. Well, we, we're all a little confused. So, <laughs> Jerry, I just shared with you what I heard over uh, an hour ago. I, do any of our panelists have any more information for Jerry? I, I would say the, the anxiety that I can hear in Jerry's voice is, um, is shared by millions of Ontarians. I mean, we have many essential workers like Jerry, who basically put their lives on the line to make sure that we could continue to be fed and clothed and warm and, and all of that in our house. Uh, but the, um, you know, like we thank the essential workers, but when it comes time to where do they fit into the plan? Well, first of all, we don't have a plan or maybe we do have one, but it changes the next day. And we, they use words such as essential workers uh, but then, oh, no, when we say essential workers for phase one, we don't mean truck drivers and we don't mean uh, the whole thing is so, so confusing that we just add to the anxiety rather than, than help. And, and I feel sorry. I agree with you, Jerry, that that you your work is important. When they, that, that when they you, say that, when they say that, you, you should ask them, where did your skirt come from? Where did your blouse come from? <laughs> uh, did it come from the moon? Without just truck drivers. Absolutely nothing that you own, wear, or have moved, hasn't moved by truck. Jerry, us drivers, the world comes to a stop. Yeah, Jerry, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, we're, you know, a lot of this is confusing to us, too. The best I can tell you is keep listening, and we'll try to get that information for you. But, but uh, you know, frankly, uh, this all seems a fairly ad hoc flying by the seat of the pants and um what can i say so uh it's april 15th according to what hillier just said hopefully uh it's a bit sooner because there's some accommodation for your being an essential worker thanks for your call one one quick thing i want to mention before i go is that why can't they use the red cross to 
help with the vaccine. They got they have the portable blood banks going around collecting blood. Why can't they switch to helping with the vaccine? We got the Red Cross. Why not use them? Okay, thanks for your call, Jerry. Um, and uh, Dr. Holland again. Uh, you know, when it comes to, I I don't think the problem is is people to actually perform the vaccinations in other provinces. They're retired doctors and nurses, dentists, uh, pharmacists. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, um, do you think, you know, knowing your patient lists, there are people who might fall through the cracks under this type of a plan? Yeah, thank you for bringing this up, Libby. I think um, when you talk about um, the online portal, I, I do worry about equity and access issues. So um, many uh, people, different people, have been bringing up uh, several different uh, problems. So one, you know, if English is not your first language, um, uh, what if you don't have a computer or access to the internet? Or even if we look at uh some individuals may not even have access to a phone. So how do we how do we make sure that those who are made vulnerable in our society are able to access uh, these vaccines? Well, it, it was interesting. I mean, he seemed to be, that's Rick Hillier, seemed to be saying, hey, everybody, everybody pitch in and, you know, help help Granny get a get an appointment. <laughs> uh, it was really sort of came up like that. Mm-hmm. And he talked about somebody, I think, in the States who made it her business to help her extended family, her older extended family get appointments, which is great. But, um, but this is not a plan, Libby. What we yes. need is a plan to make sure that if you don't have a good Samaritan who helps your family, that you that the government consider you just as important and and prioritize people that are at higher risk, which there's a good chance of many of them are the ones that do not have a computer or access or phone or a good friend who will come and pick them up. How do we make sure that this plan is uh, equitable to all when really we, we don't have a plan. We have a, a bunch of wishes that uh, often don't come true. Well, exactly. And then there's that whole question. If you're, if you're trying to take people to a mass vaccination center, how do they get there? Um, there's, there's all of, all of that, uh, you know, <clears throat> I guess to look on the bright side, at least, uh, there is, uh, there is this thing in place for for people who uh, have phones and who have computers and who can get to these larger vaccination centers. But uh, there's there's a lot yet to work out. Um, I agree. I mean, look at what they did at the Wood Green Community Center. Uh, so what they did is they used their knowledge on the ground, reached out within the healthcare system, and they made it work. They made it work for vulnerable Ontarians who should be prioritized for the vaccine. There are many, many of those community agencies that have on-the-ground knowledge, but none of them are being tapped. They hear on, you know, on the radio or on the news that uh, come and help. But where do they go to help? Where, how do they share that knowledge? What part of the plan can they help with? Not all of this is all up in the air when. Quebec and Alberta has already has a plan that is being implemented and people are getting not only able to book, but also able to receive. And uh, we have none of that. Yep. Um, Ashnur Rahim, I was reading that uh, there are more buildings that are getting their vaccines under this uh, pilot project today. Uh, Are you in touch with any of the other communities who are, are benefiting from this? So, yes, we are. We are working closely with our partners to learn and um, evolve as we go forward. This is an iterative process, and we recognize that. The buildings that are are coming up, hopefully, for vaccination address many of the concerns that um, others on the call have raised. We are very conscious of the fact that there are seniors who are homebound or who don't have access to a phone or the Internet and would require a great deal of support. So um, we're trying to set these up within the buildings. We're working very closely with, for example, Toronto Community Housing, seniors' buildings, to ensure that people in those buildings have access to the vaccine, 
and that it can be coordinated by agencies like Woodgreen uh, because to the point that was just raised, we know these clients. We work very closely with primary care um, and they are so supportive of this model and with a strong community hospital, um, you know, we can do this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think most seniors have access to a phone that a lot of people can't hear uh, well enough to use the phone. And, and even when it came to this, this hotel thing, the, you know, the people are talking about having a three hour wait on the phone. Oh, oh, absolutely. I could see this. And, and even, I mean, even if you do, um, get through and then they tell you your appointment is on March 27th at two, will she remember that she has an appointment on March 27th at two? Will she be able to go? All of this is there are agencies, there are community-minded uh, centers uh, that that have come overcome those hurdles before, and they know how to do this, and they have done this before, but they're not connected or they don't know how to connect to the plan, and and this is really shameful. We all know that we're going to be missing some. Um, am I glad that there will be a portal in three weeks? I guess I am. Am I confident that it will work? No. Okay, I'm going to give the last 20 seconds to Dr. Holland. Oh, okay. Thank you, Libby. I think, you know, I'm I'm so inspired by what Ashnoor was saying and and I I'm so I'm so grateful for community centers like that and and who work with the primary care providers and the hospitals and bringing that together. I it brings me hope that we will be able to uh, do something like this at a, a larger scale. And and what France was saying just about, you know, family doctors and, and primary care wanting to get involved. And, and we are we are in the community with the patients. We know what they need. And family doctors are ready to help as long as we have the support. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Anne Holland. Jelina and Ashnur Rahim, I really appreciate it. Pleasure talking to you. Okay. You. We're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, uh, Mayor Patrick Brown is going to talk about how this plan works for Brampton when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Let's bring in Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown. Mayor Brown, hi, how are you? Good. Great to be back on the show. Okay, great to have you back. So uh, I'm assuming you were uh, listening to uh, General Rick Hillier's latest update on the rollout of the vaccine. Yeah, let me say, um, first of all, I've I've got... um, confidence in uh, General Hillier. I think he's a great pick for this uh, um, logistical um, rollout. Uh, But I have to say, it is frustrating, the pace of procurement in Canada. It is frustrating how long it's taking to get vaccines. And I know the provinces are doing the best with with the vaccines that they're supplied, uh, but it really shouldn't uh, take this this long. When you look at the vaccine rollout in the U.S. or in the U.K. or Israel or the UAE, you know, Canada um, really needs to play catch-up. Yeah, well, we're number 44 last time I looked, but uh, a whole, a very large shipment of vaccines landed yesterday. We apparently have all the vaccines we were supposed to get this week. And uh, as we were saying, uh, we are way behind, I'm sorry, Alberta, Quebec, and British Columbia, which are ready. Alberta, you can certainly book and you can get vaccinations if you're over 75. Quebec, you can also book and you'll be able to get your vaccination if you're over 85 next week. And here we are, our seniors have to wait another week. Yeah, and so, you know, booking appointments, I view as a as, as, as a side issue, they haven't even done the healthcare workers yet. We don't even have enough vaccines for our healthcare workers. I got an update recently um, from Osler Health, and we still have half the hospital workers that that, that need to be vaccinated. And so, um, you know, yes, you know, I'm I'm frustrated how long it's taking, but at the end of the day, you need vaccine supply. The issue is supply, supply, supply. Let me give you an example, and and, and I can speak with knowledge uh, in terms of Peel Regions apparatus. 
We now have seven vac- vaccination centers ready to go, seven mass vaccination centers ready to go. We can vaccinate 40,000 residents a day. Literally, if vaccines arrived, we could do that tomorrow. We could do our entire senior population in Brampton in two days if we had vaccines. But the issue isn't capacity. The issue isn't infrastructure. The issue is supply. Well, yeah, except, as I said, uh, a, a, a large supply has landed. Other provinces have their supply. I mean, I think part of the issue is priority because other well, provinces it, it, have and, said... And, but no, when you say a large supply has arrived, you know, you get 600,000 vaccines in a country of 37 million. Um, if not, right now, supplies have not landed for the general public. We're still dealing with long-term care uh, healthcare workers, first responders. And so I'm not going to give any accolades to the federal government until I actually have vaccines for the general public. And from a Peel region perspective, I'm still waiting and I'm tired of waiting. Right now, all the only vaccine supply we have from the government of Canada is for those in the phase one. And I want to get to phase two. You know, we right they're saying that phase two is those over 80 and, and we're ready to go. I thought but we they, don't have vaccines. I, my understanding was they added over 80 to phase one, but it's the very bottom of phase one. Because there's not vaccines. Uh, and, so what, and so what I'm told is that they're going to go to those over 80 once we finish with um, the healthcare workers, um, the, fir- the first responders who are involved in healthcare response. For example, a paramedic or a firefighter may be involved in a 911 response. And so once they get through healthcare, um, then they're going to go to over 80. But I have to say, if you were in the UK or the US or, or, or 43 other countries, they'd have vaccines to, to be working on the general public. I find it infuriating that we have the infrastructure set up, but we don't have vaccines. And so for, you know, and I know right now it's a convenient argument in Ottawa to say, oh, the provinces need time for their booking system or, or this or that. But those those are just PR, you know, exercises in trying to justify why we're not ready. And, you know, right now I'm a partisan agnostic in municipal politics. I want to work with whoever I can to serve the residents of Brampton and Peel region. And what I'm telling you, Libby, is we have the infrastructure set up. We can do 40,000 vaccines a day in Peel region once we get vaccines. Our seniors can be vaccinated literally within a matter of days if we get supply, but the supply hasn't arrived. Right now, the only supply that has arrived um, is being used um, on on those existing uh, priority groups, um, and we and, and the fact that we haven't done healthcare workers shows the fact that we haven't finished healthcare workers, finished vaccinating healthcare workers shows how far behind Canada is. Uh, in terms of the plan for the rollout, uh, doing it this way, where there's an online portal and uh, a call center. Is that going to work for seniors in Brampton? A lot of them don't have English as a first language. Uh, a lot of seniors, even if you're if you're talking about the phone, they have trouble hearing, and people have mobility issues. Is 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 this plan going to work for them? You think? Well, I, I think an online portal certainly won't work for everyone. And you know, our medical officer health, Dr. Lowe, has spoken to the fact that we're going to be looking at ways to enhance that. And I did speak to General Hillier about this, that in areas like Peel Region, there are linguistic barriers. And he said that he's willing to work with local health um, units to adapt to those barriers. And I know in regards to mobility issues, um, you know, we're looking at ways of going to seniors that will not be able to come to a pharmacy or mass vaccination center. Um, And so at a regional level, um, we're going to adapt to to, to those challenges. But once again, it's predicated on having the supply. You know, we Holland Christian Homes in Brampton is a retirement home where we know there's a lot of mobility issues. And literally, we could go there tomorrow and vaccinate if we had supply. I was just talking to somebody from Wood Green Community Centre in Toronto, and there are a number of seniors' buildings that have been part of a pilot project. They've already received their vaccines. The vaccines uh, went to them. Uh, This is a number of seniors' buildings, and it's continuing now. There's one today on St. Clair West. Uh, Are there any of those types of pilot projects? Are Are you getting any of them in Brampton? So for some reason, when public health does pilot projects, they seem to do them in Toronto and Ottawa. Um, I know this has been a a frustration I've had because I would welcome 
pilot projects like that in 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 Brampton as as well. Um, I, I know that our medical officer health is is ready, and he's got the, the 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 workers, the healthcare workers, ready to administer it. And so, if there was funding or vaccines available for a pilot project like that, we would jump at it. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, what would you like to leave us with, Mayor Brown? Vaccines, 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 vaccines. We need supply, uh, and Canada has an incredible capacity to vaccinate. We've got a great local infrastructure across the country. And as soon as Anita Anand and Prime Minister Trudeau are able to get procurement in significant numbers, not uh, dribs and drabs, you know, we're going to be able to do wonders in protecting our, our population, but we need supply. That's what it's about. Okay. Thank you so much, Mayor Patrick Brown. My pleasure. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, I am going to uh, take a call from Maureen in Mississauga. Been waiting patiently. Hi, Maureen. Oh, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm okay. Biting my nails. I just wish uh, we could get this whole thing underway, but I have a really, really interesting little problem. Um, I My mother is 90 years old. Uh, she suffers from Parkinson, but she lives at home. I have uh, qualified, licensed PSWs that I have hired privately. We, it's a 24-7 operation. They come in. They take care of my mother. I'm part of the team. I have been trying for weeks and weeks to find out how to make the government understand that we exist because I feel that we have fallen through the cracks. I didn't hire these people through an agency. I don't use the government uh, PSWs. These are privately hired. So how do I get us vaccinated? How do I get my workers vaccinated? Hmm. And this, I oh, my goodness, I have called people. You have no idea. Uh, and they just keep sending me one to the other, to the other, to the other. Finally, there was some agreement that, yes, we never thought about you people. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Just keep looking at our website and, uh, we'll give you more information. Well, isn't that helpful? No, I need to know now who to contact to get this ball rolling so that I can get these people vaccinated. Uh, well, uh, all I can tell you is that I'm sorry, I don't have the answer for you. And, and I certainly share your frustration trying to get, uh, any information, out of any of these places, if it's, if it's, if it's not, you know, directly put in their press release, or if somebody doesn't ask a question at a briefing, it's kind of good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I will be on the lookout for your question. Uh, but I think that's a, it's, it's might be a tough ask because, um, because they're private and not through an agency. Your mother is third week of March. Yeah, that, that I got from today. Um, that's for sure. But, uh, it's, you know, when the other frontline workers, the other PSWs are all getting vaccinated, it makes sense to me that they, that my group should be too. Here's, here's a suggestion. There, there are a couple of organizations that represent PSWs. Uh, and if you, uh, maybe call us back after the show, okay. Ask for Zeev, and he'll give you some contact info, and you could call those organizations and see if they can help you. Okay, that's great. Okay, okay. thanks. Thank you very much, Libby. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, it is time for a quick break. Uh, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, guess what? Your electricity bill is going to be going up. We will talk about that when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Your next electricity bill is going to be higher, and that's because the emergency order providing us with a less expensive fixed off-peak hydro rate expired yesterday. The rationale is that stay-at-home orders for most of the province have been lifted, but they are still in effect here in Toronto, Peel, and North Bay, not to mention that many, many seniors who at most are at risk are basically 
afraid to leave their homes. So under the emergency plan, households were charged off-peak an off-peak rate of eight and a half cents per kilowatt hours instead of the regular time of use rates or fixed tiered rate. Uh, so what do you think? Um, do you think, well, it's time? This has been costing uh, the province a lot of money to subsidize the rates. Is it time for that subsidy to come off or uh, should it continue a little while longer? 416-360-0740, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by NDP MPP and energy critic Peter Tabbins, as well as Paul Accioni, a senior management consultant with over 48 years of engineering and management experience. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Libby. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Okay, let's start with you, Peter. So nice to hear from you. Uh, What's your reaction to this? Well, I think he's wrong. I I think this is a very callous thing to do, Uh, particularly Brampton, Mississauga, Toronto, North Bay, Nipissing. They're still in a stay-at-home lockdown situation. And all the arguments that were rolled out uh, to continue this earlier in February that people were at home, they were using more electricity, they weren't able to get to work, uh, still apply. Uh, if, if in fact, he thinks, if Ford thinks it has to be rolled back, well, it should be left in place, sorry, the lower rate should be left in place in the places where the stay-at-home orders are still in effect. All the arguments that were made previously are still in effect, so should the discount. I, I, Libby, people are very, very hard-pressed very hard-pressed. I had businesses in my riding write to me yesterday saying, look, we're still locked down. Um, we still need that support. So I don't know why he's doing this, frankly, uh, why he's contradicting his earlier statements, but he's wrong to do it. It's a callous thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul, uh, first of all, do you have any sense of how much extra it will be on the, quote, average bill? Yeah, the the current rate that was in from January to near the end of February yesterday was uh, 8.5 cents per kilowatt hour. The average rate for both the time of use and the tiered uh, system uh, will go to uh, 10.8 cents today. That's the average over the whole day. So, um, so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, well, around 20, 25% increase. I should say it was a 25% decrease at the beginning of the year. They're removing the uh, the discount now. So I think what's really important is for people uh, that are low income. When I say low income uh, for a family of five, if you're making around 50000 or less, it's really important that you sign up for the discount programs for low income families. There's a low income energy assistance program for emergency emergency support if you can't pay your electricity bill. And there's a, uh, a general program that runs all the time called the Ontario Electricity Support Program that pays you a discount to, on top of the current discount of about 22% for everybody. It pays an additional discount of between 35 and $45 a month for typical homeowners. And it can be much higher if you happen to have medical equipment that needs electricity or you're on electric heat. So it's really, really important for for low-income uh, families to go over to the OEB website and check out the discount programs for low-income families and make sure you're registered if you're not already receiving those benefits. And, and what about seniors? A senior, everybody qualifies if you're under a certain income level. So, for example, an individual on their own, uh, for the Ontario Electricity Support Program, if you're under $28,000 a year, they give you a $45 per month uh, discount on your electricity bill. And that's right off the top. So so it's a substantial reduction. Mo- most people that are on their own are going to pay somewhere between 80 and $120 in a typical home or about half that in a typical apartment. So that, that you know, a forty forty five dollars off off the top of your bill is a substantial reduction in 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 the cost of your electricity. So your your listeners should really make sure that if they if they qualify that uh, they uh, they get the information. And it's a very simple process to, to to register. You fill out a form, you sign uh, an agreement for them to check your income tax. Uh, 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 level and and uh, and and it's done. You get you get the benefit every month uh, 
and uh, and it makes a huge difference in in the bill. Uh, my mom, for example, uh, uh, lives out of town, and and she's on her own. She's low income, and uh, she gets almost an eighty percent reduction in her total electricity bill using those programs. So, so I encourage all your readers who are 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 in the low income category. Uh, I think the cutoff is a little higher for larger families, like for seven people. Um, uh, sorry, for for five, yeah, for five people, it's fifty-two thousand uh, dollars a year. So anyone uh, with five in the in, in the family making under fifty-two thousand would qualify for a thirty-five dollar um, a month reduction. Peter, uh, is is that good enough, or uh, it seems like uh, what we had in place in terms of the emergency order was kind of easier, simpler? Well, it was simpler, and and what Paul has said, I I think he's made a very good suggestion, and people should take advantage of those programs. But frankly, Libby, there are all kinds of people who are in a middle income situation where they are hard pressed, notwithstanding being a middle income situation. Uh, the businesses that are operating in the areas where we still have the stay-at-home order are very hard-pressed. Every argument that was made by the government in January and February about this reduction of rates in order to help people is still in effect in the areas that have the stay-at-home and lockdown. I don't think that they should be treated differently now. Uh, the rest of the province is out of the sharp restrictions the subsidies lifted, but in those areas where the sharp restrictions are still in place, they need the help. They deserve it. They should be getting it. And, you know, um, even in, in areas that have been list, lifted, you know, there there are a lot of businesses, uh, and if they've been successful with working at home, people are still working at home, even though they're allowed to go back to their workplaces, and they plan on doing that for a long time. And I know that uh, there are some new tax breaks for employees who work at home, but still, I, I can't imagine that they would cover all of the extra electricity. No, I, Libby, I think you're right. I, I think there's a really strong case that can be made there, without a doubt, for continuation. As long as we're in a situation, you were just talking about vaccination on your show, as long as most people aren't vaccinated, as long as they're having to self-restrict or being restricted by their employer, uh, they're going to be in a tougher spot. And all the businesses that are trying to get customers in who realize that customers are anxious or nervous and not coming in, they're going to be hard-pressed as well. I think that that argument's a, a strong one, but the strongest, in my opinion, is if the, the lockdown, the stay-at-home orders are still in effect in Toronto and Peel, North Bay, Nipissing, then those areas should absolutely not have the subsidy rolled back. It should be maintained in place for exactly the reasons that the government gave a month ago. Those reasons are still valid. People need the support. And there are a lot of middle-income people, 35, 40,000, 50,000 a year, who have big rents, lots of expenses, hard-pressed, and have a lot more expenses and a lot more difficulties now. They need the help. Um, Paul, you know, what about people who are working from home or people who, whose kids are uh, learning from home, uh, you know, and who are not necessarily low income? Well, I, I agree that the, the government programs, uh, there's both federal and provincial programs to help people during these tough times. And, and those, those programs are very much appreciated. And obviously, if, if the government can afford to extend them, uh, it would, would be great if they do so. I, I suspect, though, for the, the the situation here on the electricity rates, it's it's a bit more complicated administratively for the utilities. Because remember, if it's just a certain period of time, they can just switch the computer over for everybody that's a customer. But if you're going to start to just focus on just certain areas of the city that are locked down, it becomes a really difficult job of making sure that you you apply apply the reduction to only people in certain areas of the province. Um, it, I, again, it's a, it's a logistical problem for the utilities to do that on a, on a case-by-case basis. It's better to do it across the board. So, so if, if the government has the funds uh, to do it across the board, it would, it would be better if, uh, if they either selected the whole province or if they selected at least the whole utility rather than specific areas of the city where the utilities, some utilities cover more than one area, 
and uh, it would be really painful for them to try to do discounts on an area basis. It would be better to do it on a whole utility or a whole province basis. So there are there are logistical concerns or con- considerations uh, when you're doing discounting. You want to make it as simple and easy as possible. Otherwise, they, they just can't physically accomplish the job uh, without making a lot of mistakes. And, you, you, and then you have a lot of angry people tying up the phone lines complaining they didn't get their discount. You follow? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good thing to make everything simple. Uh, do we have a read on how much all of the cumulative discounts that we've had uh, are costing? Well, the, the the total system costs about twenty billion, twenty one billion dollars a year. Uh, residential is forty percent of the uh, of the total. Commercial is uh, probably about um, um, thirty 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 five percent of the total. Um, so, so if you're looking at residential, forty percent of twenty billion is eight billion dollars a year. So, if you want to do a twenty five percent discount on eight billion, there there you have your your number. It's about two billion dollars for a whole year. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, it is costing a lot of money, but Peter, I guess people are are grateful that they uh, don't have that situation that they had in Texas, either with absolutely no electricity or $16,000 bills. Well, we're all glad we're not in Texas this month. There's no doubt about it. Um, But I'm just going to go back and say Toronto Hydro is one utility that covers all of uh, the 416. Uh, We aren't talking about a situation where you would just do Scarborough or uh, Etobicoke, getting one rate and the rest getting another rate. All of Toronto is one big block. I can't speak with certainty about Peel. You've got Brampton, Mississauga, and Caledon, uh, but I would not be surprised if it was one utility. Uh, and North Bay Nipissing, I don't know the details there, but we're not talking about breaking each city up into a neighborhood and having prices per neighborhood. We're talking about whole cities, and I think this is not as complex. I understand Paul's concern. I don't want complexity either. Um, but I think it's it's straightforward enough for Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton uh, to give people that relief. And they need it. Let me, let me tell you, in the phone calls I get and the emails I get, people are pressed hard. And when they feel that they're not being supported, well, it's a, a pretty hor- a terrible feeling that they have about being uh, forgotten about uh, and really abandoned. And they shouldn't feel that way. They should feel that we're behind them. The government of Ontario is behind them all the way and trying to get them through this pandemic so we can get back to normal life. Hmm. We're all hoping for that. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Peter Tabins and Paul Accioni. You're welcome. Thanks, Libby. Okay. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.